And I want us to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, on Simeon who prophesied of a light for all peoples. Luke chapter 25, 2, chapter 2, verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, this is the Word of God. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is God's Word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, it's good to be together tonight. It's good to look at the candles as they flicker. It's good to hear the story of Christmas. And we ask that you would teach us through your Word to marvel as Joseph and Mary did at the prophecy of Simeon. Oh, help us, Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, recently I had a, a lovely, blessed conversation with an old saint yearning for glory and talking about light. The whole conversation was about light, Jesus being the light of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said, let there be light. And on and on the theme went about light. Without light, well, none of us would exist. Without light, we, we can't see our way in the dark. As many of you, maybe who enjoy spelunking, which is caving, you will know you turn off the lights and there is absolutely no light at, light at all. It's dark darkness. You need light in order to get out of the cave. But it's that conversation about the light and how warm this saint's affections were for that light in its fullness. Glory in abundance. Actually, she reminds me of Simeon. He is a man yearning, isn't he? He's been waiting. He's been waiting for the light. Promised to him that he would see that light the Messiah, the consolation of Israel before he dies. 
Oh, that was the beating heart of many Jews in the first century. That the Messiah would come. That the rule and reign that would last forever would come in their lifetimes. But by the Holy Spirit, it was revealed to Simeon that he would see that light. When I thought about Simeon's heart, a man waiting for the Lord, it brought me to Psalm 130. It's a, it's a glorious psalm if you're seeking to begin a stale prayer life. If your prayer life has grown tired, listen to the psalmist as he sings. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in the word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. That's the heart of Simeon, isn't it? And he is going to see before he dies that consolation, the one who forgives sins, the one who will rule and reign. He no longer has to wait for this consolation of Israel. What did Simeon know about the Lord's character, the character of God. Well, he would have sung this prophecy of Isaiah from Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He's a God that wants to be gracious to his people. He, raised, he rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. It's worth it, isn't it? To wait for the Lord. The heart that has been smitten by Almighty God waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. They wait for the Lord's promises to be fulfilled. And even if they do not taste and see in this life all of His promises fulfilled, they still hope. And with a smile on their soul, they enter the next life as they enter glory. Oh, his heart must have been so warm to know that he would see the consolation of Israel, that he would see the Mashiach. What we hear in Isaiah about that comforter, that Mashiach, that Messiah, that Christ is from Isaiah 40 verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Or Isaiah 49, verse 13, Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts His people and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. Or Isaiah 51, verse 3, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing. I, I believe that was the yearning of Simeon. He's yearning for that, 
to happen in his city, in Jerusalem. That joy and gladness, not the legalistic righteousness of the Pharisees, but the righteousness of the Almighty in the consolation of Israel. You might remember this glorious passage from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for the, those who grieve in Zion, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Who is this speaking about? None other than, than the baby that was on the Temple Mount in Simeon's arms. The Lord Jesus Christ. He actually read this when the scroll was opened in the synagogue at Nazareth. Remember. And he said, in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. The consolation of Israel is here. And what did the synagogue desire to do to him? Oh, you know the story. Let's kill him. Let's throw him off that cliff outside of town, which is quite a ways away, and get rid of this consolation of Israel. That's what he was yearning for. And it's the moment, the moment his eyes will see. And when I think of Simeon, I think, well, the man, he's filled with spirit, right? The sap of the soul. Isn't that the Holy Spirit in believers? Isn't he the sap of our soul? The one that gives us life? Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 92. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. It is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. In old age, even though the body is failing, right, there's still this sap of life. And I love the Christmas story because what you find out is the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are an old woman named Elizabeth. Remember her? Filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary came to visit her and John left in her womb and she filled with the Holy Spirit prophesied. And oh, Zachariah, you remember he's a good doubter, but... He too prophesied, didn't he? Because he was filled with the sap of God, the Holy Spirit. And what do we find here in this old man? Well, you see, the sap of his soul is the Holy Spirit, isn't it? There's still life in him, passion to live. I find this so interesting in the Christmas story. So many of the main characters are old men and women. Anna, right? On both ends of the story, you have people that would not be significant. But they are. They're right here in the greatest story ever told. 
And they too, along with Simeon, were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, of the consolation of Israel. And brothers and sisters, we ought to be also waiting for the second coming of Christ because Christmas is a season to yearn for something far greater, to yearn for the consummation of the kingdom of Christ, that new heavens and a new earth. You want to talk about lighting the world up where Christ is the light? He's the lamp of the city. So our yearning should be the same as the church yearning for his second coming. Well, the light has come, and Simeon comes into the courtroom, and he, he basically grabs, he, he grabs, he kidnaps, right? Well, in front of his parents. He grabs Jesus from Mary and Joseph. You know, you're thinking about we need to have an Amber Alert, right, kind of thing. But instead of an Amber Alert, what you have is a praise alert because the guy starts prophesying. He starts praising God. And there's this wonderful card. I could almost see this, this old Jewish man dancing with this baby in his hands. And it reminds me of this picture that we had about a Christmas card, and it talks about kissing the face of God, and it's Mary. And here, Simeon, an old man, is holding the God-man, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. Just, what? What a mystery. What a glorious, beautiful moment. And he prophesies that this, this light will bring peace. Right? He even says, I can now die. I can enter into my peace. I could almost say if Simeon were before us today, he would say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Isn't that what he would say? Has he not seen Christ with his own eyes? He has, hasn't he? This man spoken of who had this peace. And for us as Christians, because this man was facing his own death, and now he has peace, peace to face our coming death is like a victor crossing the finish line, isn't it? That's how we Christians should think of our race. As we approach death, as we're running that race, victors who are ready to cross that finish line. Is that you? Are you ready to be the victor? Because isn't there a crown of righteousness in store for us? Isn't there? Oh, yes, there is. Simeon knew that, and he's prophesying all these glorious truths about the baby that he's holding. It's a light for all peoples, for Gentiles and for Jews, isn't it? Not just for Gentiles, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles, oh yes, and Jews too. And what we know is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, whether you are Gentile or Jew. Every single soul on the face of the earth needs the atoning work of Jesus Christ applied to their own heart, applied to their soul. And I am always so encouraged by the ministries that are calling Jews to repentance and faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, in the, who is the Messiah, the light of all peoples, the light of Jews and of Gentiles. But, oh, wait one minute. 
I can almost see Joseph and Mary. They are marveling at this prophecy is what the text says. They're overwhelmed by what is being said. And of course, they have seen a lot of overwhelming things, right? I mean, it's been quite a whirlwind since Jesus came into their life. But he says something to them. This child is destined to the cause of falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And he's looking right at Mary. And you can see why Mary most likely was the witness to the writing of Luke herself. She cannot remember. She could not forget. A sword will pierce your soul too, Mary. The light of the Lord Jesus Christ reveals hearts, doesn't it? Jesus is either loved or he's hated. When Jesus reveals himself, he's either loved or he's hated. And it's very clear the falling, John chapter 3 verse 20 says, Everyone who who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of his deeds will be exposed. Jesus exposes one's deeds. He exposes one's sin. His life of perfect righteousness does not say of our life, wow, you're doing a swell job. Doing fantastic there. His perfect righteousness does not declare that. Nor does his cross. His cross clearly says of us, I need a remedy for my sin, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But boy, my sin is ugly. But Jesus makes us feel uncomfortable because then you're not in control, are you? You have to repent. You have to give that up. You have to turn from your ways and follow Christ. But of course, this is a light that reveals our hearts and our rising. Luke records this in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples who had followed him. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when you hate, when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you, your name, uh, your name as evil because of the Son of God. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. The rising and falling of many. And the sword will pierce your own heart. What is Simeon prophesying there? Where was Mary when Jesus was dying on the cross, gasping for life? She was there, wasn't she? She saw her son die in the darkness that covered Golgotha for those three hours. The crucifixion of the light in the darkness. Yet it's in that darkness, isn't it? Again, I say that. It's in that darkness that the light shines brightest, isn't it? The darkness of our sin. The darkness of our broken relationships. The darkness of wayward sons and daughters. The darkness of addiction. The darkness. Can I keep going on? Because how many darknesses are you re- wrestling with right now? How many? The darkness is that no one knows about, but you do, and so does your internet history. But the light came into the darkness to save those who are living in the darkness, to be that light 
and to give us life and life forevermore. That's when you, when you get to the end of the story of the Bible, you hear these glorious words of Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. And the church, with a loud voice, you could only imagine, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Maranatha. That's what I yearn for. Where the light will be made full and bright. No sin, no sadness, no suffering. And the lamp of the city of the new heavens and the new earth is Christ. And he's already in us, isn't he? We have a taste, but we're yearning for the great end of the consummation. Let's pray, O oh, Heavenly Father. Bless your people this Christmas. Bless us with a taste of what is to come, that you would take us from the cradle to the cross, to the grave, to the resurrection and the ascension, and right to the consummation and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our hearts would burn with a desire for your coming. To see you face to face, that light of the world without end. Bless your people this Christmas and make them a blessing. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.